Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for episode two of the Reserve Team Podcast. We've got a really special episode for you. We have our first guest coming on, Nick Malero. He's one of our former teammates and uh, just an overall good guy. Yeah, I mean, we wanted him to be one of our first uh, podcast guests just because he has a real passion for sports. We've known him for a really long time, one of the best teammates we've ever had. Um, and we could always really count on him being a good voice there on the field and off the field for us to uh, listen to. And we just thought that we wanted to bring that voice to the people to, for the podcast. So, yeah. And so without further ado, let's just cut to our uh, conversation with Nick. All right. We're here with our first ever guest, Nick Malero. Thanks for taking some time out of your day, Nick, to come to come be on the pod. Boys, it is an honor to be the first guest. Um, just knowing that there's so many way more qualified people to have on the show as a first guest and you chose me, uh, seems to be a fault on your part, but I love being here. So thank you so much for having me. First, first and only choice to be the first. All right. So let's start a little bit with your journey. We know that we all went to school together in Manchester. Why, why Manchester? Why, what caught your eye about Manchester that made you want to go there? Sure. So way, way back when, when I was a senior in high school, um, I didn't have, you know, my head on my shoulders. Right. And I just didn't, wasn't really looking in the right places. Right. So, um, a friend of mine, also a friend of ours, Jake Martin, great guy. I've been friends with him since kindergarten. His mom, Lori, would always tell us about Manchester, Manchester, Manchester. We called it a nerd school because she was an accountant. Um, terrible thing. But uh, so she asked me on, you know, off the cuff, do you want to go to Manchester and go for a college visit? Well, me just knowing that that'd be a day off of school. I said, yeah, sure. Sounds good. We went down, had a great time. We met Coach Corey had lunch with him and um, he showed, showed us the locker room, showed us the team, showed us how everything was going. Um, and I wasn't even there for uh, soccer. Um, I was just there because Lori asked me. So Corey looked at me and said, Oh, you play soccer too. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I, I dabble a little bit. I don't know, like 13, 14 years. And uh, you know, Corey was like, great, you know, would you like to play here? So there's Jake Martin seething at me because he got reached out to Corey about a visit and all this. And he actually had a recruiter and all this great stuff. And um, actually we just went to the same school. We didn't even know we went to the same school um, until we saw it in our, um, our school newspaper, our high school newspaper. It said Manchester University, Jake Martin, Nick Molero. So yeah, that's how we found out. And yeah, I started in the fall. Um, and I had a fantastic time. I met uh, Noah Tong and Matt Root, my gracious hosts um, today. Met a whole lot of other great people. Um, but yeah, soccer is fantastic. Um, and you may be looking at me and thinking to yourself, does that man have the physique for soccer? Um, the answer is no. But I did try my hardest at all times and always had a fantastic time. Well, and I mean, you talked about Jake, even roomed with him freshman year I did room I did room with Jake that didn't start out how we thought it was going to um uh yeah Jake had someone in his ear whispering saying you know you probably shouldn't room with Nick you probably be a bad influence on uh you and um so he didn't he actually came to school and roomed with someone random and it was a guy named Luca Luca I don't know if you'll ever see this and I hope you do I hope this blows up his most popular thing but Luca wasn't always the easiest to deal with and I also had a roommate that was very nice but was very dumb and he would eat all my food eat all my chips so um Jake and I actually organized the greatest uh three-way switch in, in, in the right way. um so I got Blake my roommate to room with another guy named JD but JD had a man named William living with him. And William was awesome because he was, he was nuts. Um, so I got William to move in with Luca without them really knowing what was about to happen. Um, Cause they didn't know each other, but I was like, you guys will be fine. They're like, okay, sure. They hated each other. Not my fault. And I got to room with my kindergarten best friend. Um, and it was a great time. We had a, we always had a great time together. Never had any problems. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic living them. Malero already making a stamp on uh, third floor Garver right off the bat. Lord, come on. Oh. I mean, those days. Gar Garver is the, the dorm where we all stayed freshman year. And the best thing I think for us, at least like freshman year, is us all being on the same floor and getting to know one another and kind of hanging out all the time. 
are there any are there any other stories that kind of stick out to you that like man I'll, I'll never forget that one oh god um well one that sticks out is when we tried to organize the super mario chargers uh, strikers charged game and um someone put a picture of adrian up and it was like wanted or something we were like oh so we had to take that down um and then we put a bunch of that was you. But, oh, come on Tom, really and so that <laughs> what else they, come on now yeah come on talk anyway uh, so then we put up a whole bunch of other pictures of alex i think alex got upset um and i don't think we ever played i think butters played like butters dong's roommate fantastic person um but he was just insane at every video game that that you had um so yeah he he definitely put a hurt on us and i think we only played like two three games we just gave it to butters because we're like what's the point you know yeah, that was fantastic. I think we've shared a bond too, just from well, it's called the reserve team podcast. Absolutely, and we, we had some some rumbles on the reserve team together. We did. Yeah, Rip was too elitist for us, you know. He was often not on the reserve team, but so I mean, that's my first question: is I don't know why this isn't me and Tong's podcast. <laughs> um, because if I remember correctly, I was basically captain of the reserve team. You're gonna have to ask Coach Corey. Um, to confirm, but I'm pretty sure I remember he brought me aside lovingly and said, Nick, I know you're going to be, you know, a, a player that's going to be with this team forever, you know, and I want you to be captain. And I said, you know what, Coach Carr, I can't take that. I can't take that responsibility because I'm going to quit soon. But, um, no, I, I love that. I, I love that. Anyway, um, Tong and I, yeah, we did play in the reserve team. I think we played a total of maybe four or five games in that first season. I was ecstatic to get an offer to be on um, a team. And it was even better that it was going to be the reserve team. So I, I personally, I didn't have to try that hard. That's not the point of the reserve team, but I always had the mantra, I'm going to join the soccer team to uh, lose weight and make friends. And all I did was make friends, um, but it was still a fantastic time overall. Um, I mean, you had the practices where, you know, Tong and I are trying our hardest. And I got to say, both of, both Tong and I, finesse is part of our game, right? So we're pinging perfect back, <laughs> back and forth. Perfect, perfect. And then we got to widen our hips and we got to pass it to, you got to open it up to a triangle, right? So we pass it. And then I'm never going to name any names, but uh, people never. would bring it off their shin, off their toe. And then I would have Coach Beal, love Coach Beal, shout out Coach Beal. I would have Coach Beal look over at me and talk to me like, Tong Molero, pick it up. And, and Tong and I would just look at each other before we were really friends and uh, really, really, um, uh, really, you know, Tong and I throughout our college career would look at each other and the things that we would say through a one second glance was more than ever should come out of our mouths. So it was always good that I had that. I also had their uh, relationship with Roop when we went to Spain as well. Um, and also Rumi's, me and Roop, uh, Rumi's. Tong never joined, never wanted to, lame. But um, yeah, absolutely. Tong and I also shared the first uh, hangout session ever that did nothing. Um, just to explore what Manchester was, I had Tong in the car. And I draw. I drove. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So hold on. It was uh, like we had just gone into the, the team was going to their first scrimmage of the year, freshman year, and we hadn't passed. A lot of us didn't pass, but a lot of like we didn't pass our fitness test, so we couldn't go yet. So we were like, they were just like, yeah, way back at campus, we're gonna have our game at Wabash or whatever it was. So I remember texting my my dad because Jake Jake had gotten an invite. So Jake, so Jake got an invite, and I'm I'm sitting, and I remember texting my dad like, oh my god doing nothing he's like well there any soccer guys on the floor like anyone like uh, out there and i was just like you know i know this really uh, long-legged blonde dude who lives down this you know, you know why don't i go you know knock on his door and uh, i was just like what's up you know i knocked on tong's door and i heard rustling like like 15 seconds later the door opened like, <laughs> hi yeah, like what's up what's up tong you want you want hi noah hi noah you want to go? Sure, you know, I was Noah, go take a, a drive. I don't. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. So uh, Tong, you know, looks at his wrist, acting like there's a watch, and was like, I guess, I, I, guess <laughs> I guess I got better. Nothing better to do. Gets in the car. We just we drove straight for like 20 minutes, and we just turned around and just drove straight again 
for like 20 minutes. And then we got a text that was like, scrimmage cancel, come back to campus for team bonding. And me and Tong are freaking out because we're like 20 minutes away from campus. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to have to run in the morning. So I did like 90 on Indiana Backroads back just to get us there. And all we did was like, I think that's when Gator, we had a, guy, a dude named Gator. He's awesome. I think that's when we we're doing the juggling contest and Gator just like almost smashed the window. <laughs> yeah. That's how we that same day. So yeah, Roop was too good for us on the first team. Um, literally too good for us. Fantastic player. One of the strong, smartest and strongest defenders I've seen in a minute. I'd never seen, you know, a kid come in as a freshman and command a presence like him and Brandon. I mean, that, that was ridiculous, man. I mean, I used to watch that stuff and Nash too, that dog. I mean, I've, I've really never seen freshmen come in and just be like, okay, this is our, you know, this is us. You know, and a coach to be like, yeah, you throw them in the back. They'll, they'll figure it out. Um, I still say, no offense to you two, Nash Walker's got to be my favorite player I've ever watched play soccer. Yeah, so you kind of mentioned that, you know, soccer wasn't a long-term thing for you. You didn't stick with it all four years. But I think you still found peace with that, that soccer wasn't maybe your thing and, and something that you stuck with. But I think you you did it in a manner that a lot of people – should emulate if they feel like that's the correct path for them. Can you kind of take us through that process of kind of, you know, stepping away from the team a little bit, you know, not being at practice all the time and kind of just walk us through that process. Sure. So I knew my role as a player was not what I did on the field half the time. And that just speaks to, I was kind of bad, <laughs> but it was just like, I knew that I had to impact the game. I had to impact the team in different ways, you know? And for me, it was, I can, get this team in great spirits if I want to, right? I can keep the energy high. Um, you know, I'm not always off the cuff and I'm not always, you know, trying to distract people. I like to lock players in. Um, I, li I like to keep it high. I like to yell on the field when I'm out there. So even if I'm not getting the ball, you're still going to hear my voice. In high school, I learned that I talked too much on the field and by the time I was, which is a shocker, but by the time I got into college, I had finally found the right communication. Um, and, and, you know, I felt like I could direct more on the field than most, um, which, I, which I always, you know, was, was always great for me. Um, because if I had a voice, I was going to use it the whole time. And not only did my voice travel to my team, but also suppress sometimes the other team talking, right? And um, with, with that, then, you know, I'd also become a magnet for um, aggression from players. Um, and I would love it. That was the other thing that I could do was I could take the attention off some players that would get hit, you know, and I would let them hit me and I'd love it. And I would talk a little bit. I'm sure we'll get into the talk later. Um, but stepping away from that, I saw the writing on the wall. Unless I made a major transformation, I wasn't going to realistically play. He had his center, uh, you know, Coach Corey had his center midfielders. It's not like anytime you walk into a high school to recruit some kids, there's not a stellar center midfielder, right? I had to play the game a different way. And that type of play wasn't what was happening at the school I'm going to. Well, am I some D2, D3 prospect that's wanted all over the country? No, I got asked by Corey on a whim, right? So, I knew that I couldn't just send him a text and say, Hey coach, I'm done. Right. When the season ended, I went, I spoke to coach Beal first cause he set up player meetings. Right. And he said, you know, I want you to come here and I want you to tell me how, what you think of your future here. I just straight up told him, I don't think I'm going to be playing in the next three years. I don't think I'm going to be playing this season. I don't think it's going to do anything for me. Um, I was already burnt out on soccer. Not that I didn't love soccer, but I just love being a part of a team. Right. So that was really, and Coach Beal said, you know what? I appreciate that. I, you know, I respect that. That was a great thing hearing from a coach um, that, that they respected your decision and they weren't going to do anything different uh, to try to sway that. Of course, he, he acknowledged what I did for the team, but he said, there's no reason you can't do that from the sideline as well, because that's where I already was. <laughs> so, so it didn't really matter. Um, but I didn't see that as I'm not going to be part of the team. I'm still friends with all the soccer guys. I lived next to them. Was the first two weeks when they went to spring training hard? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, man, I wish I could go out there. And I think I did go out there one time. And the first thing Corey yelled at me was, Nick, shut up. 
I didn't even say anything. So I was like, okay, it's not cool for me to just hang around here. I got to figure out a different way. But selfishly, I also, I had a lot going on in terms of school. So I also didn't want to be, you know, uh, team bus boy and team get the waters. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to do that. So I had to come up with a different way to do it. And luckily, actually, uh, through my marketing professor, she offered me, um, you know, taking pictures and, and being, inter- you know, being involved with the sports information committee, um, which was fantastic. I loved that. And I even transitioned from just taking pictures to that. I was asked, do I want to do the announcing? Well, now I am influencing the game by I'm the first person that says anything. And that was great, man, because not only did I get paid, but I got paid to watch from the best seat in the house. And I was doing the same thing I could be doing if I was to the right of me sitting on the bench in cleats. I'm sitting here with a, you know, a bright blue jacket yelling at my favorite players and screaming things that's definitely favoring our team, but that's what you got to do when you're, you know, so that was my favorite transition was when I realized that I could be involved with the team and I didn't have to be there. Right. I didn't have to be there every single day. And when I was there and when I could, you know, coach Corey used to invite me to the team dinners after. um, And that was great. I was still a part of the team, but I didn't have to sweat. And I'm not saying to those kids that, you know, are are watching this and saying, oh, that's all I got to do. Every school is going to be like that. I was very grateful to have number one, gotten into the program and had, you know, a great and very supportive cast around me. You know, you're not going to find that everywhere, you know, but it was, it, it was my decision, you know, that I wasn't going to just turn my back on the team. You know, and, and some kids still thought I was on the team. I had recruits my freshman year going into sophomore asking, where was that dorky dude that was yelling and screaming on the day we visited? Uh, he's still here. He's just taking the photos, not actually on the team, right? And I love that. I love being misconstrued for being on, on the team, right? I love that. So, um, but it definitely wouldn't have been possible without a great supporting cast and a lot of friends that really uplifted me through that time as well. So got to give it up to you guys. You guys are fantastic. Um, love my Garver three, you know, uh, third floor guys. And uh, we'll always cherish those memories we all uh, had together as well. So what would you tell someone who maybe isn't enjoying it anymore and they're thinking about maybe quitting or going down that path? Because I know a lot of times people sometimes get like, oh, I'm an athlete. I'm, I play soccer. I play football. I play basketball. That's my identity. <laughs> and maybe you're not enjoying it anymore or you have like a different passion. Like what would you tell those people like, this is a criteria that I went through to decide, Hey, I don't want to play anymore. So number one, it's hard to see the writing on the wall. Right. But when you look at it and you really stare at it, you got to figure it out. Is this worth my time? Now, are you a player that is consistently playing well, but not at the fitness level to get more playing time? Stay with it. Right. Absolutely. Stay with it. Focus on your nutrition focus on who you are and and focus on, you know, your fitness as a whole, because in the game of soccer, that's the biggest thing, right? Is figuring out, you know, can I play 90 minutes or not? Because realistically, that's what you want to do. You want to play the entire time. And if you're getting upset that you're getting pulled off for 20, after 25, 30 minutes, there's two things happening. One, you're not working hard enough or two, you're in a position where other guys are also jostling for that spot. You know, so I had, you know, Nash Walker playing left back, right? He played left back, I I remember, right? And he was playing a whole 90 minutes. Well, there's two reasons why. Number one, he's insane. And number two, his fitness level is insane. So at the collegiate level, you got to read the wall and say, can I get on that fitness level? Because it's a whole nother level, right? At high school, you got you got kids like me that just on the team because they're having a great time. They get to college and they're saying, oh my gosh, these kids are running circles around me. So you got to look at the writing on the wall, right? And say, is this for me? Is it, is it giving me the discipline? Is it giving me, you know, is it giving me the education opportunities? Are you at the school because of it solely, right? Because some kids are, that's why, that's why they're there, right? But if you're looking at it as I'm not getting my work done, I'm not enjoying this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm right. If it's not, fitting the pieces you have four years at school don't spend four years in a sport that you're not going to enjoy 
that you're not enjoying, that you're only doing it from pressures from outside forces. You know, I understand if you're at a school where you're the top dog and this team may suffer if you step down, but you got to take a personal inventory in yourself that the rest of your life is after. Brandon Renegar, one of the greatest, greatest defenders I've seen ever, just a mind reader, he stepped away from the game his senior year so he could focus on school. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, did it seem like, you know, did our stomachs hurt really bad when we heard that? Absolutely. Because that's one less guy that teams are figuring out, you know, having to figure out how do we go through him? He's gone on personal terms, right? He's gone. So what do you do now was the biggest thing. Now, Brandon did that and coach Corey had to take it for what it was. You're stepping away from the game to focus on yourself, focus on academics, focus on a lot of things that you're not able to when you're this relied on on this team. So that's the other thing is that it can be a very difficult situation like for Brandon and it can be a more simple situation. Like for me, it's different on your situation. That's the other thing you got to look at is what's it doing for me? How's my life going to change after I remember in high school, I quit the swim team because I was just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm tired all the time, blah, 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 very lazy thinking. And then it turned out that I was bored when I didn't have that time. I wasn't doing anything after school. I wasn't doing anything meaningful. So I said, well, why not? You know, why don't I just get back in the pool? And I ended up swimming all throughout the rest of my high school career. I mean, it may not look like it, but it happened. So, um, but regardless, you have to really take a, a very personal inventory on where you want to be after school, whether you're in high school, college, whether you're in middle school, whether you're in elementary school, you got to figure it out, right? And, and, and I mean, I'm not saying you got to be six years old and understanding it, but at that point, just have as much fun as you can. Because when you get to our level, you start getting achy. Kids are better than you. Kids are meaner. They'll just start cleating you, hurting you, and calling you names. And you got to figure out, is my 15 minutes on the field that I got, and all I did was kick, kick turf, fall over, and uh, two goals got in because I wasn't on my man. Read the, read the writing on the wall. You're not really doing much, and you're not really doing much to improve. So all I'd have to say is, is you have to take an – an in-depth look on what what will my life change to when I take it away and how could my life be better and worse if it was still there right for me I got to do a lot more things after I removed that from me and I was still able to be involved so I would if you are thinking about quitting talk to your parents talk to your coach talk to as many people first and don't let it just sit up here and then you make a panic decision and look back and say I just lost my roster spot because I made a panic decision. Now I'm sitting on the bench unhappy again. That's not where you want to be. So take it into consideration and life will go on regardless. And I think that last thing you mentioned is something important is to talk it out with other people. I think a lot of times you can get stuck in your own head. And I think the way you handled it is speaks volume about who you are as a person. You, you know, you can self-evaluate very well and you know where you stand. And I think it also, speaks a lot to, you know, the coaching staff at Manchester, how supportive they were. I mean, you told Coach Beal that you were thinking about quitting, and his response wasn't, hey, you shouldn't quit. It was, here's what you do for the team. He gave you reasons to stay, and then you said, well, those those reasons don't really benefit, you know, they don't outweigh what I'm thinking, and then you kind of took your own route. And I, I think that speaks volume on, on both parties. Right, and Coach Corey also, I approached him as well, and – I believe he had already talked to coach Beal before because he said, I told him and he said, okay, that's great. And then he made me sign the sticky note that said number one fan. And I was like, that's fine. Very patronizing coach, but thank you. Thank you very much. Signed it off. And I mean, we were good after that. Coach Corey and I also had a fantastic relationship after quitting. That's another great thing is that even if you quit, it also depends on how you burn the bridge, right? If you, send him a text and blow up his phone saying this program is horrible. I didn't get any playing time. You didn't do anything to help me. Number one, you weren't trying. And number two, you're taking the easy way out and not looking the person in the face and talking things out, you know? So because I handled it the way that I did, I was still able to play basketball all the time with coach Corey. 
to, uh, you know, come to the bench and dap everyone up before the game and, and lock everyone in. I was able to announce at games. That's the other thing. Coach Corey would not let me announce at games if I would have gone out on a tyrant before. Then he's going to say, what's he going to say over the mic? <laughs> right? So that was the other thing is the way you conduct yourself speaks volumes. And it speaks even more volumes at a small school like Manchester. Right? You might be able to quit the team in a fiery rage at Duke University and, and, and leave unscathed. You know what I mean? But the value of my relationship to coach Corey is much higher than it could be if I didn't have it at all. You know, I was still allowed to play in, you know, three V three tournaments. If he needed me, he knew he'd have an extra body there. He'd invite me to play in, you know, little futsal games and stuff. I wasn't on the team, but I was still treated as I was, which is, which is fantastic. And it always made me smile. And it was always a great time to be around the team as well. And you could channel that uh, competitor spirit to intramurals as well. And I know that you love thing. I was hoping someone would notice. Um, yes, you are speaking to, is it four time at this point group? It might be four time champs, three time basketball, one time soccer. I believe so. I think so. Four time intramural champion within Manchester university. And I, I could get Keaton Hall on the phone right now, intramural commissioner. And he can speak to it. Nobody changed the game like the Marinara boys did. Nobody. And it was just, we went out there and we were us and we were no one but. And it was only the games where anyone but where we lost. Because I had the hardest working, the most gritty team. My first intramural season. Magical run. Oh. If I could go back, if I could go back to when the Marinara boys were called the single dads, when Matt Roop and Nash Walker were not originally on the squad and two guys left, Nate Johnson being one of them, Snake Johnson being one of them, leaving the team just because he wasn't getting enough touches. And I picked up two of the hardest working people I have ever played with, and it blossomed into a dynasty that was un matched i mean intramural sports if you go your four years at, at any university without even attempting an intramural sport you've missed out it is your ability it's your chance to live out your wildest sports fantasy it's just dumb it's hilarious why did anyone take it as seriously as they did because someone walked in and took it seriously and it created something uh, that was just magical the marinara boys runs in 2016 2017 also 2017 uh the same year we went back to back and we took over the league with questionable methods we did have Derek again um on the team at one point not on the team because of injury joined the marinara boys and we 30 balled everyone and cruised our way to a championship um, the 2016 run where I won this shirt, um, came from a three and 17 start to the season all the way until what fought four games straight to win it all. Yep. The craziest games you'll ever see uh, yeah. shout out to intramural sports for letting someone just relive the dumbest fantasies of their life. I, I encourage you if you're watching this podcast, Go join an intramural sport. Go join a rec league of some time. Don't let your last days of able to move fast get away from you. And go try it out, man. It's, it's a blast. It was so much fun. And I think that that love of, of basketball intramural specifically maybe kind of led to an increased awareness of your NBA fandom and kind of hyped it up there. Am I wrong? Lord, man. I mean, when I quit the team, I said, well, I got to do something with this time. I can't just sit here and play video games. So I'd go and play three hours. I would get out of class at 10 and I would play from 10 to one. I would play basketball all that time. And I'd see my friends circling and I just played basketball and I was an Instagram hooper. You know, I'd see a move I liked on Instagram and I'd try to do it all the time. And it, it developed into, okay, I'm going to watch more of the NBA to get better at basketball. I'm going to play more 2K to get better at basketball. And it translated, right? So I would love to watch... You know, my favorite player, Damian Lillard, just just 
quick moves, quick moves. And when they expect it less, drop it back and let it fly. That's all that matters. I love Draymond Green. Tenacious defense will get in your face, will spit in your face, will say horrible things to you, but still come out with a dub, clapping in their face. That's what I embodied. I loved it. You know, I, I, I even tried to perfect Kevin Durant's shot for two weeks. My shot got really, really nice. But then I realized I'm not a Kevin Durant hooper. I don't hoop like Kevin Durant. You know, a 6'2 guy got on me and I, I couldn't get the ball over from that high release. So I had to change it again. So I absolutely, my love for the NBA exploded after I got more time to hone in that, oh my God, I love this so much, right? And that exploded even more when I had friends like Roop and I had friends like Tong and I had friends, you know, Max Baker, Alex Baker, all the guys that just paid attention to the league, right? And, and just, I could go up to them and say, you know, you see honest last night, someone's going to be, oh my God, 30 points. Oh my God, just 20 rebounds. And I could just nerd out for a second because that's what you do, right? But we were all in the sports management management realm that we got into it even more, right? We, we started analyzing the contracts. We started analyzing, you know, team structures, how they're going to win, how not they're going to win, who's going to win it all, you know? And it was great that I could integrate that into my everyday speech as well. Um, but yeah, man, NBA is crazy. Last couple of years, the NBA has gone from, you know, just kind of boring, locked in the Cavs, you know, Cavs Warriors. They've shifted a bit. Now, unfortunately, they're starting to definitely shift back to super team oriented. You know, if you don't have a super team, you're kind of just trying to Detroit Pistons all for it, you know, build everything around it and try to just try and just ball out, play defense and go at it. 04 Pistons, my favorite team, greatest team assembled. Not going to lie. Um, come on, Rupi. And uh, so I, I really love what's going on in the league, but I definitely think we're not going to see it broken up for a while, but it's definitely going to be interesting what's going to happen in the next, you know, few years with, with superstars going out and superstars being elevated at a higher level than ever. So you mentioned your favorite player, Dame, you know, over with the Blazers. Recently, a little bit of a snub. Luca got the, the nod over him in the All-Star game. What, what are your thoughts on that one? So, not surprising, which I hate to say. Luca is an absolute demon out there. Um, coming from Europe with a lot of ambiguity circling him and coming in more dominant than expected is outstanding and i i can't take it away from him i am a damian lillard super fan i love him i love the blazers that sounds wild being from michigan right but i had to find a team in the west as if i'm stuck with the pistons because i'm an hour away from them i gotta have someone on the west coast that i love dearly just as much or even more and that's the portland trailblazers damian lillard right now averaging 30 points a game eight assists 40% from the three, and he's 30 years old. Then you go to Luca, 29 points a game, nine assists, and 36% from three. That's outrageous. And doing it at 21 years old, he's a year younger than me. I think he might be 22 at this point. I'm not sure. I, I could be wrong, but regardless, what am I doing? I'm sitting, at, I, I'm sitting talking to you on your podcast, and he's dropping 30 points a game against your favorite player. I can't that that talent level is just going to keep going up. Right. Luka Doncic is going to be one of the greatest players that's going to gift our game when it's said and done. He's going to be unfortunately he's going to be from Europe, so he's going to be categorized in that box, right? He's going to be spoken with, you know, the Manu Ginobili's. Uh, excuse me, he was from Argentina. 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 However, but Tony Parker's from Spain, right? Okay, good. But you know, more of those that those caliber players. Dirk. Um Say it again, Dirk, right, Dirk. He's already compared to Dirk. And it was great that he was drafted by the Mavericks who have a track record in trusting, you know, not just trusting a European player, right, but building around that idea, right? So the culture wasn't new, right, that, that he wasn't going to go into. And I think it might be, just be a Texas thing, man, because, I mean, you got the Spurs on the other side. But you, you have a franchise in Mark Cuban as well that wants to build around that ideology of something different. 
right? They don't want the, you know, first guy out, go, go ahead. They had an idea, right? They traded for Trey Young. Uh, you know, they traded Trey Young to the Hawks just so they could have Luka, you know, so they could build around with Chris Stops as well. You know, so it, it was definitely, definitely something around that. Um, but he's definitely going to be one of the greatest players after it's said and done. Um, Dame, unfortunately, I love the Portland Trailblazers, but it's, I know it's a wild thing to say, but if Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant just signed to the Blazers, they'd be, they'd be contenders immediately. And you could say that for any team, but those two, that team specifically, you have your, you have your backcourt, you have Dame and CJ and they're going to kill, right? They're going to go at it every game, but who's your three and four until they get. And the reason why I say Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kevin Durant is because they need that guy that can play three or four and just kill. Just take the load off of Dane. Dane doesn't need to be scoring 30 points a game. If he wants to preserve himself for the rest of his career, he should be dropping light 2025s, but that assistant should be up, right? And and CJ, the same way, his usage level should be a little lower. Yeah, I do agree with the, the Pistons, are, or not the Pistons, the Blazers are kind of stuck in that limbo where they have they have two really good players, but I think it takes, it takes three to win the league now. I think you look at the Nets with their big three, you look at the Lakers and what they've they've kind of established. It's going to take a lot more than just just two guys in the backcourt, I think, to to win a title. It'll be interesting. So speaking of that, do you have a title prediction? Who's going to win? Oh, so it's it's so hard to say. I don't see anyone out of the East except Brooklyn. Giannis did what he had to do to secure the bag, and you know, add that you know, mantra of I'm staying here to win. And the Bucks did some to build around him. They gave him Drew Holiday. I love Drew Holiday because I value defense. So he took what Eric Bledsoe really couldn't do all as well. And they added that. That's fantastic. But they didn't do anything to alleviate Giannis of – his big man responsibilities as well of that floor general killer responsibility. Right. I think Brooklyn is going to be the team that comes out of the East easy. James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, they've discussed their roles. I don't know if you saw that interview, but James Harden straight up said, I talked to Kyrie. He's the point guard. I'm the shooting guard. That's disgusting. That is gut wrenching for every other team in the league that that player is saying, two of the greatest scorers are saying, hey, you can score this time. They're not battling over the ball. They're not doing the rust and harden where they didn't talk about it. They talked about it because they knew they have a chance to win. That's why they didn't talk about it in Houston because they didn't think they had a chance to win. And they won seven straight without KD. So like they're doing something right. Right. And it, it doesn't matter anymore. So I think it's going to be Brooklyn out of the East out of the West, if Anthony Davis doesn't come back soon or his Achilles injury is worse than expected, the Lakers are going to start to go down. Now, is LeBron James going to allow himself to miss an opportunity to win another NBA Finals and be on par with Jordan, be on par with Kobe at this point? Absolutely not. So he's going to fight tooth and nail to kill everyone. But now you don't just have the Clippers to worry about. You don't just have the Nuggets to worry about. But now the Jazz are looking nice. The, I mean, Rudy Gobert is still a killer. Donovan Mitchell is putting up Dwayne Wade-like performances. I mean, you're, you're seriously seeing the 06 Heat building in the Jazz. Now, are they going to do something about it is the biggest thing. I don't really see how they can take over the league with what they have now. Sure, Mitchell and Gobert are great, but you're looking at a two-man again. We've already talked about it. you got to have three. Or you got to have two in a disgusting core around you. The Lakers have a disgusting core. On the other side of the spectrum, you have the Clippers who just lost Montrez Harrell to the same guys that they didn't even get to take a swing at in the Western Conference Finals because they choked to the Nuggets, who are still ballers. The West is harder than the East. The East is a cakewalk over there now. It's what LeBron was saying was happening over there when he was there, right? So... Overall, it's going to depend on what happens in the West. I think there is going to be a Western – I think it is going to be a West team. If I had to put my vote right now, it would be the Lakers again. So who's your, who's your starting five then? You could pick anybody in the league. Two, two is James Harden. Okay. What about, what about Zach Levine? 
dude's balling out. All right, come on, Chicago. Come on. <laughs> I got I to gotta throw a plug in. I, I agree. I was going to ask you how, you how your Bulls are doing. We'll get that. How many of the Ball Brothers are in? Zero. I'm having a trouble with one between Kyrie, Dame, and Steph. And that's that can that's a toss up because they all impact the game in different ways. I'm gonna have to say Steph right now because he's hooping so hard for the Warriors because Clay's out. I would have to say Kyrie, or excuse me, Steph, Harden, Katie, LeBron, Giannis. That's it. Fine. That's fine. I'll make Giannis play center. You know, you know, D Wade and LeBron almost came to play with D Rose. Yeah. After his MVP season. That would have been crazy. That would have, yeah, that would have been insane. Do you think they, how many do they win if they go, you know? If if everybody's healthy? Everybody's healthy. I mean, they at least match what, what the Heat did, right? At least. Tom, your favorite NBA basketball player of all time. I mean, it's got to be. Cannot be Cody Zeller. Cannot be Frank Kaminsky. Well, okay, I, would, I wouldn't say Zeller. That's ridiculous. Come on. Kaminsky's. I, I would say Sam Decker next, if anything. So I think our, our last question to kind of wrap it up before we let you go is, if you could go back in time to one sporting event, which one would you choose and kind of walk us through why you would go there? Got to be. When I was in kindergarten. No, younger. I gotta be in the stands during the Malice of the Palace. Wow. I have to be. Are you kidding me? If there's any peak, just trash talk moment to the point where Ron Artest is charging into the stands, beating people. I gotta be there. I would like to be punched by Ron Artest. <laughs> I would love that. That's gotta be it because I loved the rivalry between the Pistons and the Pacers, right? A border apart and just duking it out. The famous Tayshaun Prince. What a block from half court blocking Reggie Miller because he's garbage and will always be under the Pistons. <laughs> right? That's what he did. Right? I I, I got to go back to that moment. I got to know what was said to Ron, Ar- Ron Artest, right? Because you got you got players now charging the stands like when isaiah thomas said a guy said sorry i just wanted a frosty after calling him right it's terrible right but it's not that bad someone had to say something really really bad to run our test to make him jump over chairs people grabbing onto him to stop and he's still charging into the stands and r.i.p to the palace of auburn hills the greatest sporting arena in mid-Michigan. Great, great place. Um, but, yeah, that's got to be it, man. Mouse of the Palace, uh, easily, easily, easily. So that, that answer doesn't surprise me at all, considering you started uh, your own version of the Mouse of the Palace during intramurals one night. Man, I, you know, Roop, that wouldn't happen if you didn't hit an elbow pass, right? <laughs> Roop hit an elbow pass. Everyone's going crazy. And this, this kid runs at me and, and he yells, cause I'm on the bench at the time and I'm, I'm getting turned up and the kid runs past and he's probably five, 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 six. And he had some choice words. He said, shut up, you know, shut up. A lot of expletives in between the shut up. You're on the bench. You're not doing anything. And when I was in the game, he was shooting a free throw. He bricked both. And I looked down and he was matching his shoes with his outfit and he had these like cream khaki colored asics on so you know and it's hard sometimes when you make fun of someone's attire maybe they can't afford basketball shoes you know but i knew that he was only wearing asics to match his fit he was wearing like a a, like a khaki colored shirt as well khaki shorts and khaki socks i'm like this guy doesn't care about hoop and he cares about how well he looks. So when he came over to me and yelled those expletives at me, I said, you're wearing ASICs. And then all hell 
broke loose. Immediately, I saw, and he had dreads, right? So I saw his dreads stand up like Medusa, just like, what? Just exploded. And he came right at me. Andrew Fox, Mr. Triple Double, and Nash stood in front of me and built a wall. And I'm laughing. I'm just smiling down at them, just having a blast at one thing could cause so much disruption. So Keaton Hall, my college housemate and fantastic, one of my best friends in the world, he runs up to me because he has dealt with kids blowing up at me before, but this is like no other. Sometimes they run over to him and say, Keaton, Keaton, he said, my, 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 I, I'm wearing a Gildan tee. He said, I'm wearing a Gildan tee. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah, okay. I can't do anything about it. He's going to, he's going to say what he wants, you know? You know, he said, I'm broken. My parents should have, uh, my parents adopted me. Sorry, can't do anything, but, which he can. He's the intramural commissioner. He can tell me, stop saying those things, but he loved it, you know, so I could say whatever I want. So Keaton's like, this is it. Nick has finally said something to push it over the edge, right? He runs up to me and says, Nick, what did you say? I said, Keaton, all I said was he had ASICs on. So then Keaton immediately goes, ah! So Keaton runs over to the referees and like, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And he said, he said he's wearing ASICs. Then I see a group of four people go, ah! and they run separate ways. So what I haven't told you is that we shut the gym down. Every game that was playing stopped playing their game to come watch ours because it was such a heated battle. Football team versus soccer players. I don't know why we were always called soccer players. I didn't care. It's because most of us were, and we were really fast, and we had a really a lot of really great endurance. And then you had me, Mr. Phil Jackson, a.k.a. Draymond Green, a.k.a. the greatest facilitator of all time in intramural history, was just calling the shots. So all the bad negative energy was sent towards me, and my players could just hoop. That was great, right? So that game we're playing, and – the uh, other team is starting to kill us a little bit. They've been talking a lot and they're probably up by 10 to 15. Well, I had gotten a call and I had done a big old favor for a big old guy named Kenny Doss, been a big old favor. And he calls me the day of the game and says, yo, I'm trying to hoop. I need a team. You got a vacancy. Well, yeah, I think I had signed Tong just so, so he could get a shirt at the end. So I was like, yeah, Tong, you're off the roster. Kenny's <laughs> on. Tong didn't talk to me for a month. <laughs> uh, Kenny, so we're down by 10. All of a sudden, the double doors slam open. And Kenny walks in, like the scene from uh, Bench Warmers, where he's like, I am, I am 12. Right? He walks in, burps, points at Andrew, uh, points at Mr. Triple Double, says, you're out, Andrew. Yes, sir. Gets off the, gets off the court. Kenny goes on, scores a three, hits a two, hits a layup, passes out to Root. That's a three. All of a sudden, we're up one. Kenny comes down with a tomahawk jam, and this is when everyone turned their heads away from their game and just gravitated towards. Because Kenny Doss goes tomahawk jam and tries to slam it. He misses. But if he would have connected, the game would have been over, and we win. And I don't make the rules. That's how they are. But he missed. So the game kept going. But a lot of feelings were hurt. A lot of feelings were hurt. So I say that after Roop hits an elbow, or after Roop hits elbow pass to Adrian, Adrian wets it, comes down to me, and we're going crazy. So now the, the gym is already captivated by us. <laughs> and I've done the one thing I can to destroy it, destroy it all. And that's just say something funny. But what made it worse is I didn't say anything untrue. I didn't say anything racist. I didn't say anything mean at all, which everyone assumed I did. When the whole gym figured out all I said was he's wearing ASICs, the whole gym erupted. Everyone laughing and pointing. So then he realizes that it's funny. It's funny. I have to kill this kid, right? So he rips off his shirt and going crazy and Kenny's holding him back. You don't want to punch that white boy. You will go back to the streets if you punch that white boy. If you punch that white boy, you'll go back to the streets. Everything gets cleared. That kid gets ejected. I have to sit for the rest of the game just so I don't start any more commotion. And I get people coming up to me. People come up to me. They're waiting for you outside. 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 I'm like, oh my God, let's go. This is huge. 
So what do I do? Naturally, I said, come on, Rupee. We're going out the back. And I had a little posse in the back. I had a posse surrounding me. And we walked all the way back to, to uh, Oakwood, or excuse me, Hellman. Had a great night. The next day I'm walking campus. Of course, I'm looking my left and right. because I got a lot of people saying they want to kill me um, over some ASICs. And uh, it, it turned, it was, the block was hot for a while until the championship game against them again. And I hit that turnaround, no look, launch of a three from the corner and splashed it. And everyone, everyone in the gym just said, all right, we Bro, yeah. I was I was so mad at you for shooting that. I'm not gonna lie. How like how no times- no 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 no. Okay, yeah, let's do it. How many times have you yelled, Nick? Don't shoot that. I can't believe that just went in. Do we remember the T-Mac game mm-hmm. when Noah Wide hit a three-pointer against the greatest team that was assembled apparently, and we beat him on a buzzer beater? Or do we want to go over the time you switched teams, you snaked us, went and played on the intramural white team, and you came at me for 30 minutes and exposed my fitness level? They didn't have enough guys. I mean, I got to make it competitive. I Yeah, Rube came after me, and you blocked a shot of mine. I think that's when I realized I might have had to hang it up. I was, I was getting washed, but that's all right, man. I'll still, I'll still hoop on you. Anytime you want to come up to Michigan, I will give you 45. I got to say, some of my favorite moments were seeing Noah Tong come down to the gym in PJs, <laughs> not caring. Some of my favorite moments are seeing Tong in PJs. <laughs> Fantastic. Tong would, uh, anytime he doesn't have to wear khakis, he'll just wear, where's the, 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 oh my God, why can't I think of it? Arctic Freeze. Is that what it's called? The Nathan Freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that jacket. Just with a, a King's Hammer shirt and then uh, and then PJ Pants in the same Nikes just standing there. Just chilling. Just chilling. Just, and, until anyone interacts with us, fine. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I got to throw out a couple shout-outs. Shout-out to Dr. Kong. Shout-out to Dr. Sung Kong. Teach me everything I have. Shout-out to Corey Brueggemann. Uh, I will give you 45 next time we hoop, I promise. Corey has never walked away from a two a two on two game with me without having at least five bruises. Also, uh, shout out to Matt Roop and Noah Tong. Very happy and very proud of them for starting this podcast. Really excited to be the first guest. Probably talked way too much. Tell guests next time don't talk as much as me. But love you both. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for giving us your time, Nick. Of course, love you guys. I'll see you. Love you, man. Thanks for listening to episode two of our podcast with Nick Malero. I hope you'll join us next week. We've got another very special guest coming on. Get it to Roop, a.k.a. Kirk Heinrich. And just, just, uh, oh my God, Roop, just trigger, man. Just, I've never seen so many deep threes. Remember you and that used car salesman went back and forth? Just three after three after three.